fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fuss Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode number 38, and I have a truly magical guest in store for you this week. Bit of a spoiler there. But before we get to that, as always, I want to remind you, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, and for whatever reason you would prefer an audio-only version of the episode, you can access that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And contrary to that, if you're listening to me right now and you didn't realize there was a visual side to the show, please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe, like, follow, share, whatever the case may be on the respective platform that you're using. I'm trying to build this show from the ground up, so all the support that I can get really does mean a lot to me. And that being said, if you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Finally, if you want to reach me, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's guest, I had the awesome opportunity to sit down with magician extraordinaire Eric LeClaire, who is actually Ottawa-based, so he was supposed to be coming for an in-studio interview, but this great province of Ontario in which we live is currently under a strict lockdown until January 28th, so we had to resort to Zoom. Nevertheless, we had a great conversation. We talked about his YouTube channel, which currently boasts a whopping 133,000 subscribers. We talked about his appearance on Penn & Teller's Fool Us, where he did, in fact, fool them with his amazing trick. And we also talked about his new upcoming show that's going to be on True TV with uh, three magician friends of his called Big Trick Energy. I really, honestly, cannot wait to see that after having this talk with him. So please come check it out and have a magic time with us. Thank you so much. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. I, I've got a ton of questions. I'm hoping I can get through them all here. Uh, and on top of that, like, I'm super bummed that we couldn't be doing this in person, especially since yeah. you were supposed to be in Ottawa around. I don't know. Are you back in Toronto now? Or? I'm, I'm here. I live in Ottawa. Oh, okay. I thought you lived in Toronto for some reason. No, I'm in Orleans, baby. Oh, nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Um, okay. Yeah. But I mean, like with the stupid, uh, the new yeah. lockdown that they rolled out, I just started thinking like every episode of mine starts with the date of recording. I don't want to like literally incriminate myself and get some fine or some shit. So. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I think right now it's supposed to be like only people from your household, no bubble or any, any of that shit. You got your dad back there? No. And when I do the zoom stuff, I just do it solo. You just do yourself. Yeah. My dad's here when we do in-studio stuff just because there's, uh, you know, he's switching the cameras and watching the, the levels and all that. So it's just you. Just you and me, baby. Yeah. And I mean, at least we can still, I got to thank Zoom. At least we can still do something, you know. But yeah. uh, you, you'll have to come back sometime when all this crazy shit's over. Yeah, man. I agree. I'd love to. Um, so some of your credentials, first of all, two-time Canadian Magic Champion. You've been on MTV, CTV, Fox, National Geographic, Comedy Network, if that still exists, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but before we get into, you know, your YouTube channel and, and so many magic questions I have for you, I want to ask the basic, where did your magical journey begin? You know, I wish I had a better story. Uh, I've always stuck with it. I've never tried to, to mask it, to make it better. But I just got a magic kit under the Christmas tree when I was nine years old. And I was lucky enough. These magic kits are like translated from German to French, back to English. It's crazy. The instructions are always just to make money. But the, the kit I got that year was a really good one. And it said, 
Number one, you have to practice every trick for at least 25 minutes in front of the mirror before you show anybody. This is number one. So I actually did it. And then I went to show my mom and her jaw dropped. And she was like, how did you do that? And that was the first time my mom asked me a question she didn't have the answer to. Oh, nice. So like, am I smarter than my parents? And I just got hooked. <laughs> I just got hooked from then on, man. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you, you remained vigilant, like just kept doing it every day. Yeah, just kept doing it every day. I, I love the attention it got. Didn't have many friends. Then I went to and then I went I, was, I went to school and I showed them this trick and suddenly hey, guys come see this, come see this. He said, like, "You're a magician." And like I just started creating this kind of myth around me since since uh, oh I got someone knocking at the door. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, no worries. Hello. Hi. The book is on the other I'll side. Drink my kombucha. Oh, you came for the tools. Okay, great, great, great. I'm giving stuff away, Oliver. <laughs> no worries. I'm giving stuff away. I'm leaving this all in. I, I put this on uh, Facebook Marketplace and I said various murder weapons to give away. <laughs> so there you go. That's amazing. <laughs> there we go. All right, bye. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> That's beauty of Zoom, baby. Yeah, no worries. Um, I was going to say, it, it seems like, yeah, definitely you would get pretty popular having that kind of a magical repertoire at your disposal. Yeah, because everybody kind of does little magic tricks, but when, you know, it's usually like they're not a magic kid at home. So you either show it to your friends, family here and there, but I was bringing my stuff. I was, uh, I was bringing my stuff to school, sh- like actively looking out to get better to perform because you can't perform magic with no audience, right? Much like, like comedy. You want, but the different reactions that you get and the, the different interactions are, are key in becoming a magician. Created a myth and then uh, I never looked back, man. And then in high school, though, I stopped doing it because it was like, people think it's like, not corny, but I just thought it was, you know, I was doing birthday parties in a bright purple suit on the weekends, still making more money than all my friends. But I, I just think, is magic corny? I want to be cool. So in high school, I didn't whip it out till 11th grade. And then when I did, everything changed. Yeah, it's weird that uh, I've, I've noticed that before, too, that at certain points, magic gets like a, a nerdy sort of stigma about it, which I, whenever I see magic, magic in person, I always am astounded. And I think it's su- super cool. I'm really jealous and wish I had those skills. So I never really got that nerdy connotation there. Well, you know, my, my goal in my whole life, every time I walked away from a crowd or a group of people, or even one person, was to, to leave them thinking that it's not corny. That was awesome. And you know, when you said, when you just said, every time I see magic, that means a lot because a lot, most people will, will die or live a life without seeing magic right in front, sure on TV or on stage, but in front of them, you know, hold this, take this, think of this. And like, it's amazing. It, it marks somebody. So well, yeah, well, it was uh, like dirty stigma. As we, uh, we both had a, a common friend who was kind of my introduction to very, very, uh, ample amounts of magic face-to-face scott strange i have no idea where he is now the guy's an enigma who knows yeah i mean honestly uh I, last time i saw him i want to say was you know six seven years ago something like that i randomly ran into him downtown and he was just back visiting for whatever reason and yeah. he was like yeah i don't do magic anymore i play banjo now and and yeah. i opened a tattoo shop and i got married and then i got divorced and like all His this goal shit. Was to live around the world for free and that's what he's doing you know he lived right before he left on his big journey he lived at my house for three months we brainstormed a new show and I remember him just giving me all the stuff. I still have it in a box downstairs and here and there it just pops back around Christmas time and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he just wanted to be a drifter, start a new life, a minimalist. And uh, yeah. he's writing a book on how to live for free. So, Oh, so, so he is uh, still alive. You can confirm that. 
He just, yeah, he just commented on one of my posts. He has a phone. He calls Hobo Magic because nobody that he hangs around with have a phone. So he's like, he just commented on a Facebook post, uh, you know, ridiculing me. So, well, man, yeah, tell him to hit me up because I I tried that number you had given me and I would kill to talk to that guy. I'd love to interview him too. He's such a crazy character. Yeah, he's a character, man. I'll, I'll pass it on. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's actually definitely how I heard about you back in the day. Um, And good segue into your YouTube channel was when you were doing the uh, 365 project, doing one trick every day for a whole year. And uh, so tell me a bit about that. How did that go? That uh, was me trying to, you know, stay current and everything was on YouTube. Now everybody had these, it was still brand new. It was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I decided to do a trick every single day, January 1st to December 31st, not knowing what I was getting myself into. I had a huge magic room uh, in my house and I went through it. I'm like, I had 365 tricks here. And then I started mapping it out. And man, by day 45, I had enough. I had like, I had it up to here, but I kept going, never pre-recorded a video, never missed a day. Um, you know, you have to do it every day. Like I went to my friend's wedding in Dominican. Well, guess what? Like every day I had to look for content and then sit in the lobby in the crappy Wi-Fi for like three hours waiting in to send to the editor. It was crazy, but it did give me a lot. It did give me like, I went to India. I got me on the Na- National Geographic's Brain Games. That's a huge show, Netflix. Right on. Um, so, you know, putting yourself out there. I did it from my basement and, uh, when I was, I guess I was, um, I was, I was like, it was my second year of owning my house. And I was like, I can do what I want, set up a studio. And, uh, but it was quite the undertaking. It was, uh, but I don't regret it. I really don't. Oh, it's a great idea. And it sounds like you executed it well. Um, yeah. But you hey. took a pretty big break from YouTube and then just kind of got back into it in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, buddy. And now you're currently at like 133 thousand yeah. subscribers so that's yeah, mind-blowing the pen and teller appearance uh i took a break because i had enough i was like you know it's your whole life for a year i remember on january 30 uh, december 31st on new year's i didn't do anything i stayed on my couch and i was like i don't need to think about filming a video tomorrow and i just <laughs> stayed there alone in the dark room and just happy uh, and then so i had enough so i didn't post anything for a couple of years in fact i stopped at day 364 didn't post anything for a full year. And then the next year on December 31st is when I posted my magic of India, where I went and traveled to India. So I did a, I did a banger on the last one, but then after that, a few years, I had one, nothing to do with it. And then slowly it's still, you know, putting promotional videos on there and funny girlfriend pranks and stuff. And now with this pandemic thing, my friends are really into YouTube. My three best ma- friends in magic, Chris Ramsey, Wes Barker and Alex Boyer are huge into YouTube. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I have no choice. This is like the universe telling me you're stuck at home. You got to yeah. put something out there as a magician. Everything stopped, right? We're, we're, our, our industry are, is the last one that's going to normalize like in theater shows and people, you know, like it's crazy. So I uh, started a little bit and then went on Penn and Teller, and uh, that was huge. And I had the idea of, I'm going to reveal a trick. It's a trick I invented just for that, just for them. And I said, I'm going to reveal it the next week. And I did. And those two things combined, just YouTube's algorithm pushed it up and got like 60,000 subscribers in like a month or so. Finally got the plaque hanging on the wall. Can you see it? Uh, yeah, I saw you posting about that. There awesome. There's that puppy right there. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was a game changer. It was... Uh, but now and now just like yeah kind of coasting just like putting here and there just trying to keep it current you know not making money like my friends or like i used to with youtube but it's it's enjoyable you're putting your art out there you don't put the art out there yeah i definitely want to ask you about the pen and teller thing but uh i was going to ask while we're on youtube was there any other sort of tricks or method that you learned or methods rather that you learned to implore 
in, in apply God, what word am I looking for? Um, yeah, that you, you started using to to boost or, or get more views. I mean, I'm asking for a friend here, wink, wink, but um, <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I tried. Hey, I was at 83,000 subscribers. Oh, so you already had a lot for, yeah, but like that was it. So when I was actually doing the, the Leclerc show, I maybe had like 10,000 or 20, maybe 20,000, I think. And then over the years, it just kept, you know, um, I have a video that has like almost 3 million views. It's like uh, 40 magic tricks in four minutes. That, oh, one, yeah, I saw that one popular one ever. And I think that one with the kind of, you know, you get people following. I don't know, man. I don't know what, I know what the formula is, is just putting out. I have no idea. It's such a mystery. And now there's more YouTubers than ever, but they're making serious money. Like, Oh yeah. Like Mr. Beast. Oh, good Lord. Oh my goodness. It's ridiculous. I watch all this stuff. You can't, you can't not watch it. The first 30 seconds are hooked. He gets right to the point, gets into it. Let's go. Yeah. He's got some pretty crazy setups for, for the things they're trying to accomplish. I mean, it's easy when you've got that much cash too. Yeah, but he but, did uh, it. He, started, he posted a video recently of him. I think it was like four years ago when he was young. And yeah, like, I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's like, if this is ever, if I make it big or whatnot, and he's just like, it's there in his parents, I'm sure his parents house. And now just kept at it. And it's consistency is key. Yeah. It really is. The one thing I've noticed that I can't stand in a lot of popular videos is this, uh, this constant editing. Like they can't just do one fucking take. It's like, you know, every, like every sentence, basically you see a cut, cut, cut. And I'm wondering, are they actually doing this on purpose? Is the style? Yeah. What is that supposed to showcase that you can't like do a whole take without fucking up? I don't know. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, matter. And basically what is this taking out the silence and, Right now, our brains are, you know, more than ever fucking just wanting just like constant stimulation. So these cuts change. It makes the video flow better. I'm a television host, so I tend to like do a full, you know, but but even when I'm editing, I'm like, nah, nah, this is way better. Some of them are just too ADD for me, though, like when I watch those videos, especially when they're like, yo, what's up, YouTube? And they're fucking yelling at the camera. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? The best, the best talk I've had in 2019 was with an LA magician. He was a little bit older, he was like 45 years old. And I was the oldest one in the room besides him, full of magicians. And we're talking about in your art, in your passion, if you don't accept the new trends, if you don't aren't open to accept how it's done nowadays and how, and if we don't, if if we keep saying, oh, like, I should do that in one take as a host. I can talk, I can blah, blah, blah. And we like as magicians, the perfect example. Nowadays, it's all like these tricks where you're performing directly to the camera. And if you were like this, you'd see I was done. Back in my days, like you could do this surrounded, you can do this, blah, blah, it doesn't matter. So if, if we don't evolve with the art, it just makes us sound bitter and old. So I'm taking, it's been a year now that every time I see the new stuff, even though I hate it, like those three minute Facebook videos where mm. when you're watching the video and nothing happens till the very last oh, 20 God. seconds. But you need those kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They annoy me. I'm like, hey, these people are, I got friends that are making, one of my friends made a million dollars on Facebook last month. Month. Oh, Lord. That's month. insane. Second most viewed page in the world on Facebook. So what is it? Julius Dean, he's a magician. You've seen him. He, he does, he is in Mexico right now. He does like these pranks where hot girls sleeping in bikini. <laughs> obviously they're painting stuff. They're obviously no, it's all fake. It's all fake. But as a magician, I'm like, I live my life on, 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 on 
guaranteeing that my audiences were giving real reactions. And because if it's like, you're doing that, especially magic, they think, oh, they were in on it. If it's not in front of you, if it's not you, they're experiencing it. Oh, they were in on it. They were in on it. So for me being like, oh, these are people are all actors. It doesn't matter anymore. That's what people want. And as much as we are like, oh, I hate those videos getting like 70 million clicks. There's a reason. Yeah. So adapting with those and I'm trying really trying really hard in the last year and a half to just be like, accept because I don't want to be that stagnant person that just kind of like, well, in my day. Right. So it's a, it's yeah. a, I understand it, the point you're making, but I mean, I think some stuff does come full circle sometimes too. Like, yes. like sticking to your guns can be the right call in some situations. It may take longer to pay off, yeah. but what's, what's old is new again, eventually and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, but I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You got to be flexible. You can't just be this rigid sort of, uh, mindset. It's like, like you're a comedian. I saw you, I saw one of your clips uh, last night. Comedian, in the comedian world, it's more serious than any other world. Like stealing someone's joke or having your own mm. material. It's like, yo, you can't, you just don't do it. Yeah. Now these people are coming out, like, let's say TikTokers or whatever. They're just reciting Dane Cook's whatever, like you whatever. And it's okay. It's okay yeah. because they're doing it on their phone in there. So there's not, you know, the world of people that like this and all oh, this is funny. They don't care who's, who, it, who it's from. They don't care who. So there's like an ethics line and a moral. I was going to say like, part of me wants to fight against that because I, I remember getting really pissed off probably when I was first getting into comedy and I was just, you know, being a little bit too over the top, but some guy I knew kept posting stuff that was clearly from someone else's Twitter, like a comedian or something. And he would always like crop out their name and in the, I assume an attempt to make his friends think that he had come up with it, you know? So I kind of called him and I said like, Hey man, at least give credit where credit's due because that's not your joke really. And, but like you're saying, people don't give a shit about that. Wait, unfortunately, pop it up and put his name. No, no, he wouldn't put his name. Yeah. But I think that when you're putting it on your Facebook and, and people just see that they might think that's your status. You put it oh, in your, right. You know. status, right. He wasn't sharing it. It was rewriting. No, yeah, it. exactly. He was just oh, like taking right, it and right. reposting. Yeah. And I, I thought, yeah. man, that's kind of a shady move, you know? But yes, you're right. People don't really care. But I don't know if that's something that we should accept or something we should fight against, because, you know, I mean, it's, there's nothing more frustrating than not getting credit for something that you created or somebody yeah. else getting credit is even yeah. worse. You know, I'm living something really, really kind of weird right now. We're, we're about to leave and uh, I'm four days. I'm leaving it for Vancouver to film this new show we sold for True TV. And it's with those three magicians I mentioned. So we're four magicians. And now more than ever, you know, like the rock band, like, like the, the, the stereotype, like the rock band breaking up because of the lead singer gets all the credit and all the yeah. I've never had to, this is going to be my seventh show that I've, I've starred in. And it's the first time that I have an ensemble cast. And now more than ever, it's so important to be like, I pitched that in the meeting. He's doing it as his own trick. He might even say he came up with it. Doesn't matter. Shut up. Make it work. These are your friends. This yeah, all your credit. collaborators. Yeah, it's collaborative, but it's very hard. It's very hard. So it's one of the hardest things not to be like, hey, that was my idea. Yeah, that was yeah. For what? For people to be like, okay, cool. Good idea, bro. We're doing it this way, you know? So it's yeah. very hard to like, but especially, like I said, in the comedian world, like that's all you guys have is what comes out of your mouth, right? Yeah. But you get that too with comics. Sometimes we'll do form like a sketch comedy group, like, you know, and make little shorts. I did that with a couple of friends and yeah, there's a bit of that. You kind of want the credit where, where it's due, but yeah. In the end, it's it's just going to detract from being a, a cohesive unit as a whole. You know, all of you guys working together. Yeah, you're like that was my line. That was my line. As if you stole my line. It's such a trivial thing, right? It's, it's yeah. such a thing, but in whatever world you're in, that means a lot, right? 
Yeah. In the moment, especially once you, yeah. you get some distance from it and you look, you're like, it's okay, true. why it's did I go? Yeah. It's in the moment. You're so right. Afterwards, it's like, oh, I stole my idea, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's exactly. Moment, it's like when somebody repeats, you say a joke at a party or to your buddy and he repeats it louder for everybody and he gets the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the easiest one to be like, you motherfucker. Yeah. I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the show called? Is that the big trick energy? It's called big trick energy. Such a good name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> great name. But you know what? As, as much as a good name it is, I am convinced 50% of our of people that hear it don't get it. Sure, oh, really? it's some buzz. Wow, the big dick energy is such a niche. Like, no, like, no 40-some-year-old man or woman. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not yeah. a mean teacher, if you're not, a, you know, B, even BDE, you know, that's, that's abbreviated. Uh, but it still has enough buzzwords, like big trick energy. It's like, okay, I get it, four guys. Okay, cool, I get it. Yeah, it's still catchy. The first time we pitched it to True, they were like, no, they want it to be like magic impossible or like they had another. And then we were like, oh, and then somebody said big <laughs> energy. I think it was our director. Uh, and we were like, whoa. And they said, they said, no, they were like, they were like, that's not, we don't. And then we were like, what? Like, this is perfect for us. Perfect for like white guys. Like, you know, there's going to be like every, every show we do cold open. We're like, it's directed by a director we're explosions and we're getting beat yeah, up. A bunch of bravado. Like, Exactly. Exactly. So, and then we pitched it again in a second meeting. And then there was a younger executive there and she was like, oh, that's the best name I ever heard. And the other guys were like, Oh yeah, no, no. Yeah. That, like, yeah, oh, that's good. right. Like it's, but so it's called Victory energy. Basically it's a mix of jackass. It meets the impractical jokers with a spin of magic. That sounds well, awesome. Yeah. It's going to, it's good. They're really, they're really letting us do whatever we want. Uh, very excited. We're pranking each other. So Chris West, Alex, and I have always been in prank wars. It started when I bought this house and I was filming another show in LA and they broke in my house and they painted right on this wall here. They're painting themselves naked. Like they hired a professional graffiti artist, paint themselves naked on a unicorn. And it was intense. It was huge. So when I come home this, and then we got a billboard for Wes in Vegas of him like half naked. Uh, we moved Alex out of his parents' house without telling him. We're in like pretty intense prank wars. <laughs> now we're keeping this, um, we're keeping this prank wars theme and bringing it to, to, to the screen. So, and they're big pranks. Like, there's there's some stuff there that's like man they're deep like they're deep root it's not just like hitting with water balloons it's like it's psychological really a little bit yeah i can't really say it but but yeah well, i can't gonna, wait to see this man it's gonna be so and it, you know what like i said earlier it's my i've done a lot of tv and usually it's like you know brain games was for like the studious astute like the smart people who like like puzzles tricked was for family math explosion science explosion but for kids shows where i'm like la 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 kids game shows and i've never told my friends yo you gotta watch this but this is the show we want to do for real from beginning to end like they're letting us do whatever we want so in a huge budget too huge budget for tricks which makes the magic show so i'm super pumped Really? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really happy for you, man. When yeah. can people expect to see that? Thanks. Yeah. No, especially in this time. Like, I don't even know how we're going to film this thing. Yeah. It's going to be a little awkward. When can people expect to see that though? They told us not to talk about it, but there's okay. talk about around March madness. True TV is March madness. And they want to kind of nice. So maybe, maybe I'd say maybe in the spring sometime. I don't oh, know, cool. but uh, yeah, it's going to be soon. It's nice. I, yeah. That's much sooner than I would have expected. If you guys yeah. were just going to film it now, I think we're still going to be filming while it's airing so oh okay 10 episodes and uh 
it's going to be a, it's going to be an undertaking, but I'm excited. And plus it's the first time in my life where I'm splitting the workload with three guys. That's nice. Usually I'm like, you have to do 350 tricks this season. I'm like, okay, I'm stressed now. It's like, Oh, you got to do like 50. And we're like, beautiful. So we're going there. And, and while the other guy's performing, we're drinking and razzing him and, you know, throwing stuff at him. It's going to be, well, great. yeah, it's nice that these are your buddies and they didn't just stick you with three other like uh, contest winners or some shit. Not have done it. And you know what? That's one of the biggest things that the networks, when we pitched the show to all the networks, they said, your camaraderie is real. You guys know everybody has their place. Uh, you know, Alex is the punching bag, the young guy who thinks he's a model, but he looks like a 70s. He looks model. like John LaJoie. That's what I was yeah. noticing. Yeah. He, he just, he's so funny. So he's the young one of the group. And uh, so he's our punching bag. And then we got Chris, the leader of the group. And we got me, like, I'm the old guy. And I'm the How old How old guy. are you? I'm 39. I just turned 39. Okay. Yeah. You're like four years older than me. Thanks. So I just, uh, I just, oh, you're, you're 35. I just turned 35 in December. Yeah. December 17th. I'm December 6th. No, you're December 6th. Yeah. I'm November 11th. I was trying to guess. Oh. Trying to do oh, okay. I thought you were saying your birthday. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be, and the camaraderie is what people really bought. I'm pretty sure that's what they bought. Um, when, when we sold the show, because you can't fake, you can put four magicians together, but you can't fake the camaraderie the stuff we know about, we know each other's mom's names. We know our ticks. We know what makes us. Yeah. It makes it so much better. It's going to be really good. Look out for it. Come in in uh, the spring 2021. Big trick energy, baby. Yeah, Woo! I, don't, I don't have true TV, but I'll have to find a way to get oh, it. Well, HBO max is a streaming partner, but it's going oh, to okay, be cool. Really got an online team. That's going to put stuff out there. It's going to be great. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I was asking your age partially because uh, when you started saying pranks, and coming from Ottawa, I just assume you must have been a big Tom Green fan like myself. Yeah, buddy. I saw him. I remember I've never been. You know what? Much like what the statement I just said that I would not. I've never told my friends, yo, you got to watch this show. When Tom Green started, I was like on Friday nights, I think it was like, yo, come to my we're watching this. And we didn't We nobody like we're like 18, 20 year old guys. So nobody like had a TV show they were watching. We play like playstation but we turned off and watched tom green do his crazy and i was like that he started reality tv man he Pretty started much, yeah you know doing crazy stuff with the cameras and walking in subway and getting birds and humping mooses and it was crazy that rogers let that on the air there's a lot of stuff there i was like yeah a lot of people forget that he was pre-jackass you know he was picking on his parents way before bam was you know the, the prank remember his prank where he he, he airbrushed as a naked woman on his dad's the car. Smartmobile, yeah, yeah. Probably one of the most famous. And he picked him up and then his dad comes out for work. He goes to the bus stop and he drives to the bus stop in front of everybody. His poor dad, man. They put up with a lot. Yeah, well, he painted their house plaid too and uh, he filled their house with like farm animals one time. Give me yeah. two seconds. I'm going to unplug my noisy ass fridge. Okay. It goes through phases and every once in a while I start hearing this humming and drives me nuts. I don't know if it picks up on the mic, but uh, just to uh, oh, be I got a message from the, uh, from, from the lady who just picked up the, Oh, <laughs> not too sure where to pick up the murder weapons. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wouldn't he, you feel terrible if like the news a couple days from now, she actually killed someone with those. God, with my, my prints are on it. You're an accomplice. Yeah. Oh my God. There's a, there's a great gag that I used to do. <laughs> it's not my gag. It's Steven Bargatze. You know, Nate Bargatze. Yeah. His father is a magician. Oh, really? 
And he's so funny. And he's very, very funny. And he has a gag where he takes out, he's like, okay, I'm going to show you guys something. And he takes out a kitchen knife and he's like, he's like wiping it. He's like, I'm going to show you guys something, sir, please examine this knife. And he gives it, he gives him the knife with like holding the cloth. So that the audience member examines, make sure the blade is, make sure it doesn't come apart. Perfect. And then he takes back with the cloth. He puts it in a Ziploc and he says, there's a little mishap in my apartment last night. <laughs> Exceduating the guy's prints, the spectator's prints are now all over. Yeah, yeah. Him, right? It was so, so good. That's really smart. Yeah, he's a, he's a great comic. I love Nate Bargatze. Yeah, he's really funny. Love him. So smooth. Um, actually, you just mentioned something that I had planned to ask you, which is why do you think that there's such an intrinsic connection between magic and comedy? A apart from a few people like Chris Angel who try to be all serious and shit. But I think, you know, it's it's one of the the factors that's almost always there when you watch a magician. Cause magic is magic's funny. You know, one of the reactions you get as a magician, when you do a trick, a lot, a lot of times is laughter. Um, and that feels good. So man, I don't know. And, and I've asked myself, I'm, I like a lot of people will build themselves as comedy magician. I've never had that in my head in my header in my promo. Cause I want it to be a surprise. I get like, three or four laughs a minute in my, in my set, which is pretty good. Yeah. You're very funny. Um, but it just feels good for me. I've always kind of, it's a, a lot of times if the magic isn't good, people hide behind the comedy, but if the comedy isn't good, people use the magic because a lot of the magicians use the same hack lines. I'm guilty of using, you know, because I've watched all these magicians my whole life and magicians like recycle these crazy lines. Like, Oh, put your hand out. Oh no, the clean one. Right. A line like that or a line like uh uh, can me my wife disappear? Uh, you know, stuff like that, that people always, always say, I don't know why there's such a, a, every, every, I would assume like that the comedy must help with just distracting people. Right. Yes. If you're good at it, if you know your, your delivery is going to be good and your joke is going to cover, uh, is going to get people laughing and then relax. It's all about tension and releasing for ma for magicians. Because if I'm like, if I'm like, watch, watch, and I do something and then I go like this, you think it's over, but really I'm doing this stuff while it's over. So when people laugh, they relax and look away and just kind of, and plus when you make somebody laugh, you're not, there's a very fine line in being a magician uh, between coming off as an asshole and a likable person because you're showing smart people, intelligent adults that know about life, that know how the world works, stuff that they can't explain. And if you have an ounce of like, you know, or like, Kind of like your eyebrow goes up the wrong way, smugness or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it comes off as people are not going to like it. So being funny and self-deprecating helps sell the magic, and it helps you make it make you a better likable person. But I've always <laughs> used it. Um, I never say it. It petrifies. I've done stand-up comedy once, even though I've went on open mics with like stuff in my pockets, but no props. In Australia, my friend Wes is a stand-up comedian, and he's like, "You should try it, man. You should just try it." And I was like. Ugh. And I'm like, I said, okay. And I went and it, it did pretty well. Uh, but it was, it was, it, for me, it's just so, so like when someone's like, all right, make me laugh. They're like, oh, he's a comedian. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. You expect you're judging him and you're expecting what he's going to say is going to tickle your funny bone. But with the magic, you can like gross people out, make them laugh, make them amazed, show them mind blowing things, reveal stuff. So there's a lot of, I don't know, man, that's a really great, nobody's ever asked me that. And I should have an answer to it. Well, but know, nonetheless, I was going to say you must still have uh, those people in magic, the arms crossed people who are like trying to figure it out. And they're they're super skeptic and staring at you every oh, movement you, know, you make. This is a perfect thing to say after what I just said is 
the, the thing on magic forums that comes up the most with new magicians is like, how do you stop hecklers? I think hecklers often in the comic world too, is a term that we use too frequently. Yeah. Somebody yelling stuff out to you. Like, so did you guys, did you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah. Good Christmas. How about you? That's not heckling. You're no, asking. no, not at all. That's not, if somebody said after a while, if you give him one of your heckler stopplers, if he's like, Oh, if obviously if he says that's not funny. Okay. Well, fuck it. It's on now. Yeah. But I find the term heckler gets used a lot in the forums. People are like, how do you stop people from figuring out? And I'm like, you just got to be likable. Most magicians will hide behind the fact that they can do, they practice 40 hours in front of their mirror, making that coin disappear. And they know it's going to amaze them. And if you come up with a, an ounce of arrogance, people are going to be like, oh, well, obviously it's not going to disappear. Yeah. Obviously it didn't really disappear. But if you say, you know, if you blow, if I take a little bit of magic dust here, a little bit of magic dust here, whoa, the coin disappears. <laughs> right now they're thinking about the, they're like, oh man, that's funny. They don't care where the coin disappeared because yeah. you're using comedy to make, be, just be normal. But some magicians are like asking people to blow on things and the, uh, do you believe in this? All the mysticism, like, yeah. Like, get out of here. Everybody knows magic's not real. And the people who try and the people who show up in leather and for a whole show, they don't say, even if they say something funny, they say, the mind is in a place where blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, and you're like, there's no way. They never smile. Yeah. There's no way. So the heckler there's a lot of people, how I deal with it is I'm good at it. So when I do something and then somebody's like, no, I saw you. First of all, I know if somebody catches me, this, I have a great, great thing to tell you after. If somebody catches me and they're polite enough not to say anything in a circle, I'll finish it. I know they caught me and then I'll work on them to make sure I amaze them. If they say something, oh, I saw you. I'm like, yeah, I know you saw that one, bro. You saw, watch this though. And I'll continue. And it's like, you didn't see that one, did you? Uh, and then gauge him. Mm. And then if he's like, that's not really that, then I start, hey, do you get out a lot? You don't, do you guys take him everywhere with you? This guy, it's like, it's not real. I'm not a wizard. I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like, oh, you're ruining the magic. It's just be normal person and be like, wow, you don't, who hurt you in high school, bro? Yeah, yeah. Who's, 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 right? Just that, well, like, it's going to deflate. I've had people, it's mostly people, it's mostly guys with the girlfriends, right? When, you have, when, you're, for, when you're hired to do restaurant magic, a restaurant magic at a restaurant, you walk up, you have to touch every table, you walk up and they're, and, and, and they're not that they're talking. I, I wait, as a professional, you wait until they're done. But when you go, you have to hit them. Uh, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of testosterone there. Like the guys are like, all right. And I always ignore the girl, always perform for the guy. But when they're really, I just say, okay, cool. Have a good night. And it, and when it's a big table and there's one guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, guys have a good night. And I leave. And now everybody with him is like, they're mad at him. Yeah. 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 So that, well, that happens at comedy clubs too. And people yes. bring someone who gets too drunk and then yeah. everyone's like, Sh I've heard people turn on their friend, like, shut up, Sam. You're <laughs> ruining it. You know? And it's so satisfying. It is so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. It's so funny. Man, um, well, getting back to the Penn and Tellers thing, because we yeah. got to talk about oh, that. I didn't, you, know, I didn't know you were going to ask about that. Um, <laughs> well, about a few years ago, I got... <laughs> yeah, for the audio only listeners, he's holding up his award because he did, <laughs> in fact, fool Penn and Teller. He was on season seven of Penn and Teller's Fool Us. And right. uh, it's a show where magicians go and try and show a trick that they've hopefully never seen and hopefully can't deduce uh, the mechanisms behind it. And you did this great trick with a, a huge box and a bunch of packing peanuts. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted you to sort of share what that experience was like for you, because I did notice when you performed, you were so confident and calm, but the second you were talking directly to them, I could feel 
how much you respected them and, and what a big moment that was for you to, well, to be having that. I'll, I'll give you the inside because something happened. There, that, there's a reason why I was nervous like that. So oh, yeah? fool us have asked me to perform for them for the past, like, you know, four or five years when it started, they stopped a couple few years, but they've always like, Hey, you should come on the show. And like I said before, fooling people is not what being a magician is entertaining them. Yeah. And the, 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 the term fool us. And did you fool us? And I'm going there to fool them. And plus my cred was already made in the industry. I had multiple television shows. I was doing well, I was doing tours in schools, corporate events, TV. I was, I wouldn't want to risk the risk of going and not fooling them. Mm. Uh, because people are like, the first thing, did you fool them? And you're like, nah, it just brings you down. It's, it's true. Just, it's a detractor. Yeah. I had no reason to go. And then a few years, and then I asked the executive producer, who was one of my friends, the magic producer. I'm like, why would I go there? He's like, Eric, the press it's going to give you. And I was like, yeah, press fine. And then asked one of my magician friends. He's like, I toured all over Asia because of that clip. And I didn't even fool them. And I was like, oh, wow. So then I got to work. I got concepts. I knew I wanted to be big. I want to no card tricks, forget card tricks, worked on it for six months with my magician friends, had jams, brainstorms, different things you could say, different things uh, I could do to like little red herrings to get them off the scent, off the trail. And then I practiced. I've never been, you know, the three questions I get the most of magician is how long have you been doing it? Where did you learn? And can you make my wife disappear? But the fourth <laughs> one is do you ever get nervous? And the answer for me, if it's not live television, I don't, I get excited and I get that rush when I walk up stage, but I'm nervous. I know it's going to go well, but for this, I was really nervous. Six months of like laying in bed and, and, oh and going over her speech because at the end, it comes down to one little, it's an interaction. If he's like, oh, but we know you used that. We probably did this. And if I'm like, if I have the courage to be like, nope. And they tell you, don't argue with them. But if you say like, no, that's not it. Instead of like, oh, you know what? That's a good guess. But that's, unfortunately, that's not how he did it, right? Those two things, huge, huge yeah. difference. Being like, no, that's not how it's done. Compared to like, well, that's a good guess. But actually, oh, wow, should probably should have done it that way. That's not how he did it, though. You don't want to alienate them. So anyways, went on and I revealed the trick afterwards on my YouTube. So I'm going right. to tell yeah, you. Yeah, it was great part. to be able to see that. Did you see it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I wanted oh, to know how, how you did it. <laughs> so the, the sheet, so basically it was a box filled for the people listening. It was a box filled with packing peanuts, like five feet by five feet filled. But really, and it opened on both ends. But really the secret was there was a sheet I printed with packing peanuts printed all over it. And I stapled it half halfway through the box. So if you turn the box on one end, it's just the sheet laying there. But if you turn on the other end, it's the sh it's a bunch of packing peanuts laying on top of the sheet. So then they, they pick a peanut, they sign the packing peanut. As we mix the box, I turn it on the sheet side. So when I drop it in, it just lays on the sheet. It just lays there so I can grab it later at a moment's notice. So that day I was so nervous because there was a 10% chance. The trick was it was designed in a way that was, if the guy shook the box too much, that cloth was coming off and that peanut was going to mix with all the others and I'm done. And we did no reshoot. So there was a 10% chance it wasn't going to work. That's why I was super nervous. Finally, I see it. It works. I get so excited that I forget. And then I jump in the box and how I get rid of the cloth is I tuck it in my pants. I just yeah, yeah. right in my pants. So that we as magicians, we call it clean. We end clean. So I'm in the box. I have it in my mouth. Everything's perfect. I shove it in. 
boom, pop out, drama, not in my hand, not in the other hand, it's in the mouth, huge applause. And then to, a, a, a convincer I do is I, I, I tilt forward. So the box tilts and everything sprays on, the, everything drops on the floor. So they can see through the box. So they know it's not gimmicks, right? That was- Well, a, and you see all the packing peanuts all over all the, the place. Peanuts and yeah. the, at the bottom of the box because it's huge. So then as my, my girlfriend, my friends were in the audience and I had like 10 people come down to cheer me on and they were filming from their phones. And when I tilt forward, I get up, I start cheering. And then I don't know why I did this, but I was so excited that it worked. I had a bunch of like a sea of packing peanuts on the ground. I jumped on them and I pretended I was swimming, but this thing was sticking out about three feet from my pants. I couldn't oh, feel it. Shit. So this thing was half in my pants and half. So I had a huge tail. And then you hear them, oh, fuck, 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 and then turn off their phones. And then I stand up and I'm like, yeah. And as I go, yeah, I feel the cloth in the back hit me. And I see them go, uh, what, what, what? And then I go like this. I just tucking it, tuck it in from the back. And now my interview with Allison, my deliberation with Penn and Teller, I was fuming six months of work down the drain. I was like, this I was like, yeah, I was, you can see me. I was looking at the thing. Going, yeah. You thought you were caught red handed. I thought I was caught. I thought I was done. I thought, and then fortunately they didn't put two and two together. They didn't see it. It was an honest fool. I talked to the magic consultant. He's like, they didn't see anything, but I did see them go, oh, what is that? And maybe they thought it was my coattail, my shirt tail. I don't know. Mm. But I was experienced. If you look at the clip, one of the comments I get the most in that clip is when I fool them, I like got so emotional, six months of work. And I was just like, oh, I'm so happy. Definitely a highlight. And I'm glad I did it because after a while of being on autopilot with your career, everything's going well, you're doing this, you're doing this. I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this challenge, this new goal. But man, said, writing that in my goals book uh, was one of the best things I ever did. And, and plus, you know, it gave me the 50,000 uh, subscribers more on YouTube. It, in the magic world, gave me some more cred. Uh, and I have, this, I have this beautiful trophy that I just proudly display on my, in my magic room. Well, so and Penn and Teller must have been uh, like heroes of yours growing up, I would think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, I was more like David Copperfield. Okay. Penn and Teller weren't as you, you'd have to look for them. You know, you'd have to catch a special. Uh, they weren't on TV. They were on Letterman. They were always on sitcoms and stuff. I would find doing like guest appearances and stuff. Yeah, they were. You're right. You're right. Uh, so I did. Uh, you know, when I, I saw, saw them revealing, they're famous for revealing stuff, but in a clever way. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But later on, I, when I got like, you know, my education in magic, I was like, wow, these guys are really clever, really original, really good, really funny. Uh, so they became, yeah, definitely one of my idols, but having them there, um, having, being in front of them and just performing for them was definitely a, it was definitely a dream. And that night we actually got a private tour of David Copperfield's private museum. Oh, wow. It was amazing. It's invite only. You can only get you know, six people at a time. It's a two, three hour thing. He's standing right there with you, like showing around. It's a whole show. The lights go, counters are floating. It's wild. That's so insane. it was, a, it was quite, and that was, that was on March 11th. I fooled Penn and Teller on March 11th. I filmed it. And then on the way back, boom, pandemic, everything locks down. Oh, it, shit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. so close. So I was really lucky. Wow. Yeah, I had a good year. I had a good year. 2020 was good for me, man. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, like uh, yeah. a lot of people are having shit years. And, and I suppose um, having the kids out of school and uh, my fiance and I both working at the hospital, there were definitely a lot of, you know, stressors. But all I can think about is all the cool people I've been able to interview this year. And some of that yeah. was due to Zoom. I didn't even start doing Zoom until the lockdown happened and I was kind of forced into it. And it ended up opening all these doors for me to interview people that weren't in Ottawa. So right. um, 
I feel a little bit like a dick for, for having such a good year in that respect when other people are like losing their jobs and stuff. But I mean, I had my, I mean, I'm not kidding anybody. I had my worst year ever, like on the books, you know, like I usually have like 200 shows. I probably did like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 20 financially speaking, I guess financially speaking, it's just like, everything was at a halt, you know, like I, it was the first time, you know, I remember this is kind of, a little cocky, but I remember a couple years ago driving on tour. We're doing like 70 shows in one month, you know? And I was like, my career is going so, nothing can, nothing can ruin this. I can do this for five more years to retire. I like, nothing's going to, and I was like, even if the schools go on strike, no problem. I'll do corporate, I'll do TV. But now, like, I couldn't even fathom anything that would be like, no, 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 no crowds. No, like, and I know a lot of people are in that boat too, but for me, I was like, like, you know, in 2008, the recession, yeah. didn't affect me at all. I, I felt bad talking, talking to other magicians and talking to other people in the industry, in the ind- entertainment industry. And like, yeah, but recession. I was like, yeah, but it didn't affect me. So that got me, you know, thinking, oh, nothing. And now it's like worst year of my life. Like I'm counting, counting, I'm finding change in the couch. Um, well, thanks for paying me for this. I appreciate it. So that's, so that's good. I don't pay my guests for the record. <laughs> I don't make money off this show at all. So, <laughs> well, it's a lot of fun, man. You're good at it. I, I yeah, made you, uh, you, I made you, uh, I, I kind of researched you. Oh yeah. And I know you like, you like the, um, you like, you like the, the CBD, you like the, the pot. Yeah. I mean, oh, I like pot. Yeah. I made, I made you a brownie. <laughs> It's a brown E, Oliver. A brown E, guys. I'm sorry. There's sorry people that. listening, yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> For the people listening, yeah, sorry about that. You know what? Yeah, mail that to me, man, because I always try to get guests to uh, put something up on the wall in the studio here. So whenever somebody comes. Oh, yeah, I'll mail you some stuff for sure. I got tons of stuff for Yeah, a poster or whatever you want, man. Anything, if you want to autograph it, that'd be awesome. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I'm going to jump back to your YouTube just because yeah. uh, I'm really, or I really enjoyed and was felt very satisfied watching the bad parking police. <laughs> because uh, I think you filmed that in Orleans as well. I recognize some spots, but for people who haven't seen it, uh, I'll link up all the shit when I, I do the editing of this episode, but it's basically Eric going out and finding terrible parking jobs, which there are many to find in Ottawa. And uh, you leave like very clever notes or, or sort of pranks or whatever you want to call them. And then you film yeah, the reaction. cards to shame them. Yeah. So it, it came, you know, my mom, I guess it started when I was seven. I found a, I've never told this story. In my mom's glove box, there was a picture, a cartoon picture of Mickey Mouse giving the finger. And it said, dear asshole, thanks for parking so close. Next time, leave a can opener so I can get my car out. Asshole's (laughs) like, you should take the bus. And it was before computers. So I was like, how did they get, how how did they do this as Mickey Mouse? And I was like, that's so clever. And I'm like, as if my mom like would leave that, that's aggressive. And I guess it's always been in the back of my head. And then I got one left on my car years ago and said, Hey, you suck at parking. Seriously. Learn to park asshole. If I see you do this again, I'll key your shit. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's so funny. So I made myself business cards and when people would come over, I'd give it to them. It's a fun thing at parties to give away and for use for filter, you know, whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, and then one day, I've always had, so from that day on, I always had some in my, my glove compartment and I was, would leave it at people that look at this guy, leave and go. And then one day I'm like, why am I leaving? What if I stuck around, see the reaction? So I always remember at Staples, my first one, I'm like, but I'm doing errands. I'm like, I guess I'm not doing anything. And he was at Staples. So I'm like, he's not going to be there an hour. So I put it on his and I leave. And sure enough, five minutes later, it comes out and I, I developed ways to, 
filmed people. So I was like this, filming him like this, right? Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, yeah, boom, boom. And then, and then the reaction was hilarious. He goes back, looks at the thing. I'm like, there's something here. So I started making my own cards. There's some really funny ones out there. And I started, you know, actively going for a couple hours. And man, you would be surprised at how easy it is to find bad parkers. It is insane. There's everywhere. Everywhere you lines. go. Um, mostly trucks. Yes. And uh, mostly... Um, one of the sexes is, is, is more, is more apt to park like that, but you know, we'll leave it at that. Uh, and then I just stuck around and I, what I do is it's so clever. I, I tape my, my, my phone to my, my rear view mirror. So you it's like a tripod. So I'm just oh, there and, and I stay, I used to go hide. I used to like press record, then go hide. And I'm like, why am I hiding? I'm staying right in my car. Like if I, nobody would do, would do this, would, would stay there and watch them. Sure enough. So I don't have my phone. So I'm like this while it's filming and the number one rule man is don't look at them because as soon as you go like this you're caught so it's like and it's so hard because i'm looking at nothing it's just like they'll be gone soon just relax you'll be able to see them <laughs> and they go and you're like oh that's great compilation i've had one woman i had did you see the one with the, the the stevie wonder so one of them i left a medal it was it was it was the stevie wonder parking competition for <laughs> And I would put the metal, I bought a dollar store metal and I, I made a sticker for it and I would leave it on their car door. That's amazing. This, this woman in her husband's landscaping truck parks and staples way over the line. And I see her, there's nobody beside her because sometimes you park like that because the car beside you. Yeah, you have to adapt. Like yeah. No, you don't know. You got to, you don't know. But she it was a blatant just bomb. She walks in, I go, I put the metal on. She comes out, sees the medal, doesn't see what's written on it. She just takes it, throws it on the ground, gets in her car and leaves. Oh, she did sucks. not read it. So I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Such good foot. She's just like, ah, I'm like, she litters. And so <laughs> I put these on my Instagram. I have all the individual ones, but I put them on, on YouTube and I'm a part of a rant group here in Orleans. And I just put it on rant Orleans on Facebook. And the woman says, she's there and she's like now i you shouldn't have done this you've outed yourself i'm filing a police report and blah 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 and then and i'm like what i'm like you littered you're the and everybody's obviously it's a it's a rant group so everybody's taking my side and like we go on for like hours of like you're like does your husband like does your husband know you park like that with his truck and like we're going on and off and she's like police report police report uh but that's one of my so that's now it's what, it's what now kind of charges is she hoping to lay on you it was, it was, she, she didn't, she didn't, you know, she parked like an idiot. She littered and she's like, Oh, you made damn. Oh, she said you made damage to my truck with the metal, but it was a plastic metal. Anyways, oh rant Orleans on Facebook. Anybody from Ottawa come, we'd love to have you. I'm going to promote this just uh, uh, on that group, just for her to see this. <laughs> That's amazing. So I like, did you ever get caught when you were doing the filming? Someone caught on to you? No, I, nice. no, um, uh, I, Think, no, I've just been in my, and you know, you know, cart narcs. No, cart narcs is kind of the same thing. He's huge on Facebook. Basically, he goes to people in parking lots that don't return their carts to the cart corral, and he goes up to them. He's like, "Excuse me, uh, cart narcs here. Uh, you need to return that." And they're like, "What?" And he gets <laughs> like, a, and it's so good. He has hundreds of videos. It's really good. Cart narcs. Yeah, yeah. But he confronts them. So I don't really confront him. I kind of go hide. And my YouTube videos like confronting people bad parkers or whatever. And like, you're not confronting. So now I've started going up to people when they park and be like, like 
giving them a car to be like, is that your, is that your best try there? Is that your, but no, I've never, I've never actually gotten. You gotta be careful with that shit because uh, the wrong person might punch you in the face, you know, content, baby. (laughs) That's the right answer. If I'm willing to get hurt for my art. It's uh, what you said about trucks. So it's so true. Anytime I'm on the road, the worst drivers are usually in trucks. And I assume Parker's as well, but also tinted windows I've noticed is like the mark of a fucking asshole driver Ah, because they don't want you to be able to make eye contact with them and, and say, Fuck you're you. a different person in your car, man. Yeah. Imagine, imagine like, imagine you're in your car driving and someone like cuts in front of you. Uh, and you're like, but imagine like if you would be, if you do that in real life, imagine like, you're waiting in line at the bank or you're somewhere and like someone just walks in front of you and rage on them like that. When we're behind, when we're in our cars or behind our phone, I would say when we're behind glass, yeah. we always feel like we're safer than we really are. It's so true. You know, like we, we always feel like you're people you're just more... going to town, picking their nose. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it's true. Trucks. And to be fair, uh, you know, a lot, I've, I've read a lot of comments on Insta- on my Instagram and on my on YouTube video, people saying, what's so wrong with the park away from everybody. There's a great one. It was a bell truck. It was a bell Canada truck. I saw that and one. Yeah. I've always, did you see the one with the shaving cream? Yeah. So he parked on two spots. I, I that one, I was scared. I, I made a, a sad face with shaving cream on his windshield and I left him a, you can't park note. I said, I think it was a Google how to park. Cause you suck at it. And, and this one, I was too close. The, the van, I was like, that's way too close. I'm not staying here. So I went to go get a sub and man, he came out and he was fuming. It's just, it's just shaving cream. It's just what, but the, the shot of his wipers just clean. And he was it. like yelling, like, well, where are you then? Or something. Well, where are you? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, where are you? And I watched that clip. That was probably the most scary of ever, but I was like so far away. Didn't, didn't that was, uh, I want to say in Beacon Hill near the pizza hut too, right? Yeah. It's right where it's at the in Montreal street. Yeah, yeah. Montreal exit. Right on. Yeah, exactly where the pizza hut is. Exactly. Yeah. Good call. Well, I'll definitely, uh, yeah, I'll link that up so people can check it out because I think they're hilarious. Uh, getting back to magic, though, I wanted yeah. to, um, because you talked about almost screwing up the trick on Penn & Teller or there being a risk yeah. factor there. So one of my questions was, what is your biggest magic fail to date? Like embarrassing, just you didn't pull it off, everybody saw, or do you, are you just so good that that's never happened? I think once I was like, I felt so, wait. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. Uh, for the people watching, I just burped up cars, people on listening. Um, you know, it's a question I get asked the most, uh, uh, not the most, a lot. And I don't have a good answer because what makes a good magician and an, uh, a good magician, average magician and an expert magician is to be able to roll. See, magic is one of the only arts where you don't know what's coming. Yeah, it's like an improv. Coming. It's an Im- exactly, exactly. So, so if the person's like, if some, you drop the cards, let's say, you can always make a joke and then be like, do another trick with the four cards they have left there. And so I like, I meant to do that. You know, if it's it cleverly yeah. crafted, but uh, biggest, I mean, I've had uh, little, I had kids pee themselves on stage. I've had- That's not really your fault. I know, yeah, my fault, I mean- That's embarrassing though, yeah. Oh, again, not my fault, but I was at a magic gala this is a shit story. I was at a magic gala magician on stage. Uh, he throws a lemon in the audience. And at the end, they're like, can we, can I have the lemon? And the person throws it and it rolls under the, the curtain and the back. So I'm like, so I grab it and I like throw it back on stage, you know? And it was a gag. It was a joke 
prearranged joke. The trick was supposed to switch some sort of lemons. Oh, and I shit. messed it up. That was for him. But uh, compared to like, I don't, I, I've never, honestly, like sure have had like little tricks don't work at birthday parties, but never anything big in a corporate, in a corporate setting in front of a big crowd. Um, one thing we did once was, was just, it doesn't answer your question at all, but it was a good, really good prank. Wes was in, from Vancouver. He only speaks English and I was performing in Quebec, sold out show, 2000 people in, uh, in Quebec in a theater. And Wes says, I'll just come see it. I doesn't understand anything. So he's sitting in the audience. And then I say to the people in French, I say, my friend is here. Doesn't speak a word of French. Next time I say his name, his name is, and I spell it in French. I want you guys to go boo, but I don't say boo. It's a different word in French. So I say, next time I say it. So, so Wes is just watching, they're watching the show. No clue what's going on. And I was like, ah, j'ai mon ami. My, my friend is here, Wes Barker. And everybody's like, boo, boo. <laughs> just like completely booed. I don't know why that popped in my head. That's awesome. I don't have any fail stories for you, man. Hey, no worries. That just means you're good at your craft, you know? I, I was puking on stage once. I puked in a bucket off stage and like the show I had to keep, I had to keep, moving but yeah nothing no disaster stories sorry no no not even that's like i said it means you're good at what you do and you roll with the punches you know exactly. and puking off stage too that's uh pretty hard it. to keep well, going it's like when you when you're a performer you have like 400 people waiting for you you know like i never got i saw my on facebook group sometimes people were like can somebody take a show tomorrow night i'm sick and i'm like dude suck it how much are you getting paid for that you're gonna pay thousands or hundreds like suck it up dude oh, like man. like i'm sick now again with this whole covid thing covid's gonna change everything about how magic is you know like so many so many tricks are like here hold this or like something comes out of my mouth or this or like hold you know like kiss me here like like crazy stuff now it's like our brains are completely like you know now the magician who says oh i'm sick i shouldn't go we're like okay cool stay home no problem but Pre-COVID, I could never, never understand why people would cancel. Well, I guess it depends yeah, how sick people. you are, though. I mean, there's, there's a limit yeah. if you're like diarrhea and shit. Yeah. Um, speaking right. of the show must go on, though, I had a, a comedian. I had a comedian on um, back in September uh, named Darren Frost, and he's uh, known for being really, really edgy. Like he has to put warnings, no refunds before his shows because it's really blue, really like hardcore offensive shit for the most part. And uh there's a video on YouTube. You should check it out. It's uh, pretty hardcore to watch because he was at a show and he had some guy heckling him repeatedly throughout the show. This is how he described it to me. And uh, he ended up sort of addressing him and making some joke about fucking the guy's mom. And so about five seconds go on past that. And then they huck like a, like a glass whiskey tumbler at him and it hits him right in the chest. And you just hear him like, Ooh! and then he still did eight minutes after that. He told me. He just he kept going, you know, and they're like, his mom's dead, you asshole or something like that. But man, it's a fucked up video. You know what I've seen? Do you, if I tell you, if I tell you the name Alex Wood, Ottawa comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. He's you know pretty what big now. Yeah. Video? I was there. I see this with my own eyes. He, he was a little bit more huskier, I think, back in the day. I yeah, think. he quit a bunch of drugs and everything. I think he was a pretty hardcore user. And now he's cleaned up in, in okay. every way from what I heard. So he walks on stage with his pint glass. And he's like, uh, he's like, he's opening like, so I've been working out, gets a little laugh. Then he goes, Ooh. 
gets another laugh because like, oh, oh, that's, I've been working out. That gets a laugh. He's a little huskier yeah. and, then, oh, and people laugh and then he goes, Plah! he pukes, he filled his pint glass and then some, and then kept going with this full set, oh. low ceiling at yuck, yucks, like smell. He just finished it. Oh. They puke jokes. Everything was like, and we were like, my girlfriend's like, is that part of the show? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> and then the waitresses were coming, cleaning the stool. And oh, yeah. it's nasty. It was crazy. But he still did a good set or no? What's that? He still did a good set? Still did a good set, man. Wow, that's even more yeah, impressive. I, yeah. I added him to Facebook that night. It was like seven years ago. And I'm like, from that, that, that day on, I know here and there, I check with him. I check back with him a couple, a couple every, every few years to be like, remember that time? He's like, yep. That's all. That's all a relationship is, is me asking him if he still remembers that time he puked on stage in front of he's a Yeah, he's a really funny guy and uh, yeah. he's do, doing very well for himself. I know he had a podcast. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but it was called Alex Wood Quits Everything. And th I believe that was at a time where he realized he needed to make a lot of changes. He was drinking too much and I think doing coke and other shit. So hopefully he's still on that path. He looks a lot wow. healthier. So I think he's still, you know, living the good life. Well, good for you, Alex. Yeah, if he's listening, I don't know. I'd love I'll, to have him on actually too. Sure, yeah. I'm going to make sure my next time I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him and be like, yo, check out Oliver George podcast. I talk about you puking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I wanted to ask you actually, speaking of puking, we're getting a lot of nice segues into my questions. Here. Yeah, baby. Um, I wanted to ask about drunken and impaired magic because again, coming back to our mutual friend, Scott, I would go out with him, hit up the bars. And I was always astounded at the fact that he could still do this shit because, yeah. you know, I, I do comedy intermittently and, and I'm a musician as well to some degree. And I find there's definitely like a few beers and then I can't play the chords right anymore and shit like that. So something with magic seems even more um, yeah. like you need I've, your balance and your, and your wits about you, you know? Yeah. I've been told, I, I remember I, I handle, I handle substances really well. Uh, and I remember when I was in high school, we did mushrooms and <laughs> we were in a bush party and the cops came on a hill up top and I went up and I did a set for them. And I'll always remember this quote. We were, we, they were in the middle of the woods. You had to walk like 10 minutes. And, and the cops said, uh, dispatch was like, just, just checking in. And the cops like, yeah, we'll be right there. We're just watching a magic trick. <laughs> I always remember that. We're like, what do you say? And like, we well, guys look like good kids go on. But I've always been told that no matter, you know, so much of like us, it's this. So let it be drugs or let it be whatever. You're like, okay, I got to do something here. It's not just saying stuff. And again, hiding behind the magic, you know, it does, it doesn't, it takes two seconds. You know, if you're drunk or on drugs and you do something like this, you go, whoop. Like that, right? That's done. If you drop it on the ground, oh, let me start over. Show back, front, right? You can, you can, one of those people like, whoa, it's done. You've done magic. So it's not super intricate. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like. Uh, yeah, those are easy peasy for you at this those point. Those are easy yeah. peasy. So I've never been, we have a thing on Big Trick Energy called Drunk Magic. Nice. Uh, actually, this is one of the stories I wanted to say. Yes. Awesome. Um, so we went to film the pilot in September. And with COVID, really weird, a lot of restrictions, everybody gets tested, so weird. So one of the segments was called Drunk Magic. And the producers, because we're, we, are, we drink all the time, we're friends, we're at a bar, we're going to be living together for three months, going to be insane. Uh, so Drunk Magic was letting us loose in a bar that we created, um, a socially distanced bar, uh, and just go ahead and like, we're, we're just going to catch what, whatever we're just going to film whatever you guys do it was chaos we really took it to heart we we're getting a slosh laughing at each other and one of the tricks 
This is so good. One of the tricks, Wes, uh, drunk magic was he'd go up to a table and he'd say, hey, you guys want to see a card trick? And then he picks, somebody picks a card and then he put it back in the deck. No, somebody picks a card. He eats, he tears it up, eats it, chugs a beer, chugs another beer. And he's like, and he's supposed to pee his pants. And in his pants, the urine is supposed to go seven of diamonds. Oh my God. Right? A seven and a diamond urinating printed on his pants. So how this works is we had a prop guy with, you know, uh, with water, with a squirt gun hooked up to Wes's pants, meaning he had to be close to this bush. So we built a bush wall, a wall full of like shrubbery. And the guy was inside with ready with his like syringe. So Wes couldn't leave. He was like bound to this bush a little bit. So he goes, he chugs his beers. And then there's, a, there's, there's two rules in show business is you never work with kids, never work with animals because you know, it's crazy. You can't control unpredictable, them. Unpredictable. Yeah. Sure. What's that? They're just unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictable. And a third one I'm going to add for magic is liquid. You can't control liquid. You, you can't, you can't duplicate a spill. You can't, it liquid is created anyways. So it doesn't work. So Wes is there and the people have no idea what's going on. The whole bar's watching him and he goes, chugs two beers. And he's like, okay. And then he goes, it goes like this. And then the water just starts, just starts, the pee just starts on his leg, but there's no seven guys just peeing his pants. And people are like, you're like, is that the trick? They're laughing. Yeah. We're laughing at him. So they're feeding us off, off us laughing. So everybody's laughing at him. And then he's like, not working. It's not working. And then normally if a trick doesn't work, you just say something funny and walk away, reset and come back. But he can't leave because he's tied to this bush because of the hose. <laughs> so he's like, sometimes tricks don't work. And people are like, but he's not leaving. So they're waiting on a punch. So everybody at the bar is looking at him and he's just standing there hopeless. He can't go. He does it again. The prop guy's freaking out. He's like, okay, we got this. We got this. Tries it again, again does it in front of the whole bar just doesn't work. So, so the people at that bar had no idea what was supposed to happen. They just saw a grown man piss his pants two times in a row and everybody applying for it. I guess I can be a magician. I guess I I could do that. Why am I not on TV? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a drunk magic story right there. How is that even supposed to work with the pants? I guess you have to have like the pattern and then some sort of water resistant whatever over the rest either of the it's, either, you know we tried we tried a lot of things it's still a shot we don't have to this day but we think we're going to air it that way yeah it's hilarious the, i need to see that one of our of our arcs is at the beginning there's this like like you said this big directed you know like reservoir dogs pulp fiction kind of thing and at the end we reveal how we did it um the, for, the uh, on, on the pilot it was uh, we were both we we're all in porta potties we all each walk into porta potty a car crashes on the three of the porta potties we come out of the fourth one and then at the end you see reveal like it's an aerial shot of us just like doing this juggling in the other porta potties so i think we're, and a big trick is revealing the stuff we, we don't care we're like i used to care but like we said earlier if you got to adapt people revealing stuff now is if it's our tricks it's fair game you know so uh, we're going to reveal it and we think we're just going to air it just like that. Wes just peeing his pants. Here's what was supposed to happen. Anyways, they tried a lot of methods, either that never wet, the thing that doesn't get wet, or maybe it's like a screen inside. It just gets, it didn't work. It didn't work. So maybe, I don't know if we're going to try it again or, uh, or just scrap it, but. Uh, That's yeah. very weird though, because uh, pre YouTube, it really was a different game when it comes to magic and, and like explaining the tricks. I remember there was that guy on Fox who wore the mask, who revealed the tricks and it was like a big deal at the time. Yeah. And I remember Scott telling me as well that there was like a sort of a, a code amongst the magicians that you don't do that shit. But now that's kind of just been thrown out the window. 
everybody's gonna do whatever for views and money and fame and like it's crazy the mass magician was more of like a uh he's you know magicians made a big fuss like if you wanted to like you had to see it on tv and then when it goes on your channel you're like i don't care about this or you're like oh we're you know very few percentage of people saw everything learned everything and then like went to heckle magic like there's yeah. no point. magicians made a bigger fuss out of that than um than than anybody so it didn't ruin it in the magic world we say it made the magic world evolve because those same tired tricks that were revealed. yeah there's always new tricks coming out right always you always got to be turning tricks you know <laughs> do you find yourself like whenever you see someone else doing magic are you just right away trying to pick it apart and figuring out how they did it no i'm the perfect spectator okay. i yeah, and magic conventions and stuff when somebody's performing. If they want me to look up, I'm looking up. If they want, oh, well, no, I'll always be like, no, no, come on. If that card is it, oh, I like, I want to give them confidence. I want to give them, you know, oh, you fooled me. Uh, yeah. But when it's really good, then when then we like, okay, well. You yeah, know, if you're really scratching your head. Afterwards, we're like, wait, how did he, was that? No, because he said any card. No, oh, he said this, this. So sometimes it's like, what the person says or something we didn't see or like a dual reality kind of thing going on that you don't know what actually is going on until you kind of like reconstruct it. But we don't really, we just buy it. If I see something I really like that it fooled me, I'll just, how much is that? 50 bucks, I'll buy it. I'll probably <laughs> hate it. But yeah, it's, it's not a big, uh, like I said, with the pen Teller fool us thing, the whole, the whole term fooling and the whole term, you know, I, I was always hated it. So I'm the, I'm the perfect spec. I don't try and deconstruct uh, on fool us and on TV when I was with my friend. Sure. But live. Nah. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. Magic's <laughs> supposed to be fun. That's like rule number one. That's right. Um, do you uh, have a preference over street versus stage magic? So street magic is a, is a term that came out 20 years ago with David Blaine. David Blaine, yeah. And it just meant that he was performing in the street, right? So... Well, but just, I mean, as opposed to like the vegas like... Oh, like close-up. You're, close you're up separated magic. from the audience, okay, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, close-up magic against stage magic. So close-up magic, you there can... You, go. you can leave a bigger impact because it's custom tailored to the person in front of you and you're riffing and hold this and think of this your mom's made a name blah 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 why stage magic you get the thrill of like whoa the laughter and everybody clapping and your green room and the everything and the circuit you know like it's it's more glamorous but um i i, I don't know i i prefer i prefer i prefer one-on-one -on -one, but i still prefer I always prefer being able to manage a crowd. Like I've gotten really good at crowd work and knowing that I can get, I can get within five minutes. I got them. I got them under my, I got them wrapped around my fingers. They're going to laugh. They're going to be silent. Nobody's going to heckle. I'm fun. I'm fool. I'm silly. Right. Um, but I like, like close up magic is what I, what I, what I grew up on and what I, perform like every day you always have something you can always grab something and do magic with where a stage is more like okay what's the script what am i gonna say is this fun you gotta go out there and practice it um so I, my love my love my love is, is for both man That's yeah be. yeah i don't have a definitive answer well uh doing stuff live must be just better in general whichever way you're doing it because i was just oh, yeah. thinking about that you, with your new show coming out uh like i've watched magic for humans and stuff like that and as a viewer in your house, watching it through a screen, you're always like much more conscious of edits and, and wondering like, oh, well, this must just be some fucking TV magic that they're, they're doing, you know, where they're yeah. behind the scenes kind of manipulating things. 
We, um, we're very lucky. We got the two best magic consultants in the business for the show. Danny Garcia and Blake Voigt are consultants for Chris Angel and Blaine and all these Cyril, all these big magicians. And they are very ethical, meaning sometimes it's okay to cut because they know that the way the, the, the viewer does, you haven't established this with the viewer yet. Oh, not right. They can't No, It's okay to cut when it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, when it's one person or one trick and it's only be one take. David Copperfield was always famous in saying the camera is never going to cut away. Uh, but there's a big mm-hmm. like right now, the magic producers and the uh, the DPs of the show, the camera guys are working very closely to be able to to train them on how, you know, how magic is filmed. And But the number one thing that I know we're going to be able to say on our show is that everything is real. Nothing's been set up. We will never fake a reaction. If we get somebody on the show who's like either missed the magic, doesn't speak English, um, is an idiot, we'll never be like afterwards, okay, can you like go like, whoa, that was amazing. Never. We'll use editing to make it look, to make him look silly or funny or just going to use one of his like weird smirks instead of, you know, a vocal, a vocal clip of you being like, Oh, how'd you do that? It always looks fake. Audiences can smell it from a mile away. And for us, it's, and you know, like for the, for the pilot, they crushed my BMW. I didn't know. I had no idea. Holy and shit. yeah, they took it and Alice was just standing like this and they just, the car Magneto just style. and I had no idea. And people, uh, people, my friends, I just sent this clip to my, all my, you know, my good friends. They were like, did you know? And I was like, I didn't know. Like, how did you get, how did they get your car to Vancouver? I'm like, I did not know that was for real. That's it was amazing. Like yeah. It was big stuff. And like all the pranks that I have planned for, you know, Alex and Wes and Chris, they have no idea. So it's, it's like this, this, like um, this waltz of like zoom calls of like, okay, he can't be on this call. He has to be on this call. Everything is real. No actors, no stooges, no fake reactions. Big Trick Energy is going to be amazing. Like, I'm so pumped. Did you get like a replacement car? I would assume the studio provided like a. They paid, yeah, they nice. paid for uh, they paid for it. So it was good. It was, I was going to sell it anyways. So now yeah, I, I really want to see that now. I didn't have to go through the trouble of posting pictures. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to be like just waiting and dying to see the show. Oh man, I can't wait for you to see it. Like I know I've did, I've never I've done these, I've done a lot of interviews in my day and I've never promoted something three times in the same show. Big trick energy, baby! Woo! <laughs> yeah, if you have, can you send any clips yet or no? I, I, you know what? As I was talking about it, I was like, probably shouldn't be talking about it. Oh, fair. As I was ta- as I was saying the the the, the car and the, the drunk magic, I was like, well, I probably shouldn't be. So a little exclusive for the Oliver George uh, crowd out there. I think the uh, the Zoom might have just adjusted your volume because you screamed because now you're really quiet. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know what happened. How, how, how do I fix that? I don't know. Turn up your mic, I guess. It's not that bad. I can it, level it out and post if I have to. Um, I only have a couple more magic questions. All right. One was, uh, do you ever get annoyed? Because again, this yes. is something that I noticed with Scott. <laughs> do you ever get annoyed when people when you're in just sort of a gathering where you're not really hoping to do magic and then your friends or people who sort of know that you do magic, Hey man, do a trick, do a trick. Cause yeah, it's yeah. gotta get irritating at some point. That's funny. You got good questions, buddy. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. My friends know that it's a, not a burden. I love doing it. But the thing with at a party like that is that I always say, yeah, I'll show you something a little later. I'd love to, you know, uh, because as soon as I do it, 
it's going to be me, 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 me for the whole party. Right? Mm. Not necessarily perform, but like, oh, it's a magician just here. More people are going to come. Can you show them? So the later you wait, the more, the more you can kind of do, get away with doing one or two things and be like, okay, I'll do one more for you guys and I'm going outside for small, blah, blah, yeah. right? Um, I, I, it's still my passion. If there's something, and when I walk in a room, I scan for sure. If it's a party or a gathering, I'm like, okay, there's pens there, there's this there, can do this, it can do that. Um, I'm always scanning because I know it's going to come up. Um, my friend, Jill, who uh, is one of my best friends, he came up with the perfect... It, it, it depends when it's like, hey, my cousin's from out of town. I talked to him a lot about you. Can you show him something? Yeah. Like, yeah, sit down. I'll do an hour. I don't care. But it's it's being like sitting on a couch at a party. Everybody's like, oh, this. And, and then and then when you're done, what? I stand there and have a beer and I have the same five questions with everybody. It's like, oh, how did you? It just, it's well, not. Espe- especially if it's like uh, somebody's birthday party, you don't want to steal their thunder. And there's always going to be some insecure guy who's like, oh, this guy, look, he loves to be the center of attention, even though you didn't bring it up. You, you know, know, it's so funny. Uh, my girlfriend and I went to one of her friend's uh, engagement dinners or whatever. And it was in an ice cream shot in Brooklyn. And obviously we're staying, standing there and it comes up. Somebody's like, uh, my, actually my girlfriend said, can you show, show me them a trick? So I'm like, okay, what do you guys have? Do you guys have a bill? They give me a five and I turn it to a hundred. And then our little group, people are like, oh, 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 and then my girlfriend's like, okay, put it away, put it away, put it away. And I'm like, I need to change this hundred back to the five and give it to the person. Right. But she was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to take the attention. I didn't know people were going to react like that. You know, mm. you're taking the, you're taking the, you're sucking the party from the room, from all the room to your spot. So yeah. She's like, put it away, put it away. And then I changed it back. I'm like, don't ever ask me to do an magic trick again. If I can't finish it, you know, like, but well, yeah, friend, because even when it's somebody else that, that instigates it, yeah, they don't you, know. You'll always be the one that they think is like trying to be the center of attention after you do this fantastical exactly. thing. And that's, you know what? That's a great point. I never, I actively think that in my whole life, I've thought that, but that's the main point that I don't want people to think it's always, I'm never going to be like, Hey, you want to see something? Bah, 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 yeah, right? yeah. Maybe if I, if I having a smoke or whatever, and it was just too outside and I'll do something, Whoa, done. We'll walk in over, but you don't want people to think, Oh, there he goes again with his magic. And his, my yeah. friend Jill came up with the best scenario. He just loves watching people react to it. He's seen so much. He's seen all the tricks. He just loves watching people react to it. He's come up with the best uh, hack that I, I have no choice to do it now. He grabs somebody privately from, from the group and he says, uh, that guy there is like, he's Canada's best magician. He's like, you want to see, he's like, go give him this pen and say, can you, can you show me something with this? So now I have a stranger coming up to me and he's like, say, say quietly. So now I have a stranger coming up to me, handing me a prop, say, can you show me something with this? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And I give it back to them. They go back to show to talk about it. I do. I keep going on my thing. So even if somebody's like, can you show me something? Oh yeah, I'll show you something later. And then planning all oh, later, later, later. Uh, but when somebody comes up to you in private and say, can you show me something with this? And I look at Jill and I'm like, you must <laughs> do it. But that's that's the best, that's the best possible, um, scenario for, for me, to, but don't get me wrong. Like a lot, like I'd say like 85% of magicians would love to do what I hate doing at parties would love it. They would suck the whole party out of the room and they'll overperform. They'll go for like 25, 30 minutes an hour because people are always like, okay, can you see another one, another one, another one, another one, because those magicians are 
hiding behind the magic, right? Those people that aren't people person, that aren't people that, that aren't like, you know, like at parties, like they'd rather whip out their deck of cards and show you something and you'd be like, whoa, and like them for that instead yeah. of liking them for being a normal person. Having a, a real conversation. Having a real conversation, yeah. you know? That's interesting. Um, I wanted to also ask you if you, if there's any trick that you've always wanted to do that has eluded you for whatever reason, you haven't been able to manage to fi uh, figure out the right way to do it. And also what's the weirdest place you've ever performed? <laughs> um, there, you know, that's a question we had on big trick energy. The producer asking us, is there a trick you've always wanted to do that you've never. And I was like, uh, Oh, there, maybe there's one, maybe there's one where you, you take a piece of sewing thread and you swallow it and then it comes out your eye, but really comes out your eye. Like you're just dragging like yeah, this yeah. It coming out your eye. I've never done that one. I have a thing with eyes. I think like, David I, Blaine did something like that, didn't he? Where he yeah, he I think pulled... he did it with the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he had yeah. one with a diamond coming out of his eye or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do that one, though. I do that one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as far as the weirdest place performing magic, uh, I mean, dude. Uh, oh, okay. I got it. So in the same year, I think it was 2005 or six, I've performed at a funeral at a dog's birthday party. Funeral? That's We got to stop there for a second. That's got to be prison. the most... And what was the last one? Prison. Jail. Oh, my God. That's just it's as jail. weird. Prison, I can kind of understand because that's entertainment. Like when Johnny Cash sang for the prisoners, right. you know, it's the same. That's right. Uh, fucking funeral. That's like... Well, it was a celebration of life. Oh, God. Uh, and the lady hired, had hired me. She was a head... She was a CEO at Giant Tiger. And she had hired me for the Christmas party for like 10... 15 years in a row, loved magic, loved me. And her husband said, you know, Nancy really loved you. She would love nothing more. It was written in her, you love nothing more than you perform at it. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want people sad. She wants people happy. She, so I walked around this huge tent is outside. It was raining and I just entertained people. And people were like, and I remember at, at one point, I like to cross the line. I like to like, you know, even in my kids' shows, it's like a Disney movie. I like to not cross the line, but just be on it, you know? And I remember at that funeral, <laughs> so bad. At that funeral, I did, I purposely did a bad joke. It was a group of five or six people. And I was like, I don't remember what the joke was, but I'm like, what, somebody dying here or what? Right? Oh. That, <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, you could go overboard and have like a recording of like a banging and like, I'm still in here or something like that. <laughs> you know what I want to do? It's in my will. This is in my will. I want to build a fake arm, okay? That's like this, that goes in the coffin. So, and then on a remote control. So when my friend, my friend who's gonna, my best friend in magic who's gonna read my eulogy, I'm gonna leave this in my will. This is what I want you to do. It's, it's gonna be like, oh, uh, you know, Eric wouldn't want us to be sad. He's probably up there partying right now with a bunch of hookers or whatever. And then he presses the button and then I go like this out of the coffin. <laughs> I'll scare the shit out of people. I'm looking at having that built. Uh, but yeah, man. So dog's birthday party was weird too, man. Yeah. I was in a dog's, it was a dog a pet supply store. I straight up had 10 dogs there sitting in front of me with their owners in the back. And I'm doing tricks with cha-cha. Cha-cha. She's like, can you use her in tricks? Can you make her appear? I'm like, yeah. Like she gave me this substance that it's like peanut butter that the dog would love to lick. So I put it on my props. So the dog would lick the props and I'd pretend like I, I did this whole thing, but that's definitely the weirdest, some of the weirdest places also in like in raves. I did a lot of raves when I was young and there's music so loud 
and it's so dark, you're very limited on what you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. Two of Wait, the senses are kind of. But yeah, perform magic. And, and but but on the flip side, at least at a, a lot of raves, people are super fucked out of their brain, so it must be a little right. easier. You to... could be like, and they're gonna be like. <sighs> <laughs> um, I perform magic at the Taj Mahal, which is highly illegal. Whoa! Before you walk in the Taj Mahal, they like. I had like my camera bag. You can't have electronics. Uh, you can't have anything colorful. They took like my decks of cards because it's games. Um, they oh, just like anyway, a respect thing. I, yeah, it's a yes, it's a respect thing. And I went and disrespected. Uh, I had. Yeah, like, here you I, are gloating about how you broke the rules. <laughs> that's right. I was I was doing you know the mouth coil, which is like you know when magicians like take paper out of their mouths. Yeah. <sighs> I brought one of those, I snuck one of those in. And for my last shot, my video of the magic of India, day 365, I'm in front of the Taj Mahal, just, and my guide, you can hear him. He's like, Eric, he's like, you can't like, for, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to us, but for them, it's like, you know, Sacrilege, but yeah. it was very subjective. I feel like I was profiled. A lot of people could bring in their stuff and the white guy had to be taken, get his deck of cards taken away and stuff. Damn. Racism yeah. is everywhere. That's right, buddy. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that's it for the magic stuff. I do have a question that I've been asking everybody at the end of this season, which is uh, if you could travel back in time for a day and have dinner with someone that you've never met before, who would it be and why and when, I suppose? I guess Harry Houdini. Seems like a, oh. a go-to magician answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a go-to magician answer, but you know what? Somebody's asked me, I think Wes asked me this on one of his YouTube videos recently and I am so like they were getting they were getting like giving names like Margaret Thatcher, Martin Luther King and like, you know, and I was like, I, I, just, I just don't know. So I was in, um, I'd go probably. Uh, yeah. Christopher Columbus. He sounds like he was kind of an asshole. <laughs> I'd show magic. I'd break him right up. Yeah. And all his slaves, too. What, what's, <laughs> what about what about you? I don't know, man. I, like, I recognize that it's a difficult question when I ask it to people. Originally, at the beginning of the season, we were asking, like, what time period would you go to? And it was just too broad. So I had to switch to, like, the dinner with somebody just to reel it in a little right. bit. Um, I don't know, man. I'd probably end up picking a musician that I really like. But knowing all my favorite musicians, they'd probably just be way too high to have a real conversation. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, there's so many cool people throughout history. But if you go too far back, you're just going to have, like, a real conversation barrier, I would think. Like if I go to yeah. speak to right. someone from, That's interesting. Right, 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 right. You know, you talk to G someone from Jesus's time or something there. Well, yeah, they'll probably be speaking a different language. Era I would be Jesus. I'm going to change my, I'm going to change my, 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 my answer to Jesus. I just talked like, about that on the last. Who would that be? You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. You could actually ask him like, what really went down? That's why I said the last guy when that but came I, up. I, I, I actually, I would choose my mom. Um, oh, she's not dead. She just lives upstairs. Well, it's gotta be someone you've never met before. Yeah, yeah. All right, I've never met before. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's good, man. Good times. Shit. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on again, and uh, I'll let you know when it goes up. And let me definitely know. tell and, me and when your I show want, is up. Yeah, I definitely know. And I want to tell you that you know I do a lot of these interviews, and you had really good questions, Oliver. Thank you, dude. A lot of shit I've never been asked before. You caught me off guard a couple times. Well, yeah, I think we got some good content here, so I'm I'm I happy to be I'll, uploading. I'll let soon. you know when BT's up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, all the best, man, and take her easy. Stay safe. Thanks, buddy. All right, I'll peace tell out. Scott to call you. Sorry? I'll tell Scott to call you. Yeah, yeah, please do. That would be, uh, I, I'd love to interview him. Anyways. Yes, man. All yeah, right. Peace out, dude. Day. See ya.